0: Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberg, and this is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hope for the Hope for the Caregiver.com. You know, I like to have special guests periodically on this program to share their story, just to have a conversation. And the other day, I was able to sit down with Colleen Swindall Thompson. We had a very long conversation. You can hear the entire interview on my podcast, which is at the website HopeForTheCaregiver.com or wherever you download podcasts, just look for Hope for the Caregiver. But I want to play some of this conversation we had for you all today. I think this will really bless you. Colleen Swindall thompson her website is reframingministries.com, reframingministries.com. So here's part of my conversation with Colleen. Colleen, bring us up to speed on your story. Can you kind of give us a 30,000-foot view, and then we'll get down into the weeds a little bit?
1: Sure. Basically, I had two very healthy children. And then my third, my youngest, Jonathan, who's now 25, was born with an immune deficiency and was basically sick through childhood. He had autism and intellectual disabilities and a lot of diagnoses. And by the time he was nine, I was a single parent raising three children. And my daughter was in a very tough place. So we've gone down the mental health route. We've gone down the physical route, the disability route, the hospital route, the functional medicine. I mean, we kind of tried it all. And through that process, one of the things that I did learn is I put my hope in a lot of people and systems, the court system, the therapies, and they're going to help at least give John a better life. And in doing so it was displaced hope. And the Lord has been working with me since that time. That's going to be now 15 years on accepting that his way is right. His way is perfect. His way is good. And I may not always like it. He does not have to give me an answer why. So moving forward a little bit, Peter, to remarrying, moving to Texas, starting a special needs ministry, and then Rebranding that in 2018 to reframing ministry because basically, when you are a caregiver, you have to reframe your life. And reframe means look at through a different lens or a different perspective, taking a camera lens and either bringing it up close or pulling it way back. And in doing that, I had 10 surgeries also in the last 10 years. And then last year, Jonathan actually collapsed physically, emotionally, he does have a seizure disorder, but he went into a mental state of being catatonic, fell and fractured his back in three areas. We spent this whole last year trying to find out what was happening with him. And so the Lord pretty much uprooted what I thought was a good foundation because it did get worse and it got a whole lot worse. And yet through that, I look back on things that I've learned from what I call the bathroom floor, (laughs) because John and I have spent so much time on the bathroom floor, working with both ends of his body, trying to get food to work and process and cleanse him out. So we are in the thick of things. I have remarried an amazing man who adopted John in 2017. Um, My daughter's married, doing great. And my son is not married. He's single. He's super good looking. They're all three wonderful, and by God's grace, I will say that they are where they are, and I am where I am.
0: Well, I certainly understand that, and I I saw the video that you have on your family story. It's been quite a story. It is, and I think when I started doing uh, reaching out to fellow caregivers, one of the things that, and I t- you and I talked about this earlier, that it irritates me that people think of caregivers as being nursing homes. That's that's all they think about, and it just I'm just like really, I've been a caregiver since I was 22. And I have yet to be at a nursing home. Right. I started branching out and seeing families with special needs children, seeing families dealing with mental health issues, alcoholism, addiction, any type of chronic impairment. And in your in your family's case, you dealt with quite a few things all at one time as the family was disintegrating. Yes. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, that if you have a disability in the family, 90% of the marriages will crumble, right? 89 and some change will crumble. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gracie and I have been raised by a pack of therapists. And, mm-hmm. and so we've had a couple of marriage counselors that uh, for us, I think one, two of them got divorced. I think one of them left the industry. And I think another one turned to drugs and alcohol after us. <laughs> so.
1: well, we may have a few of those as well, but we do, a, we do a regular check-in with a therapist because I mean, I have an amazing, amazing husband who puts up with a lot of my temperamental areas. And yet we need to do the checkups because it's essential for our communication. And we notice that our kids don't do as well when we're not doing as well. But it is intentional, that is for sure.
0: But Um, I, I think that I think the part of that is respecting the trauma. When you respect the trauma that the body has gone through or the the soul has gone through. I think that's the first step towards being healthier. I've had to learn to deal with it, with, with what happened with Gracie uh, and respecting the trauma and then also respecting the trauma of what's happened to me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't do that. I did. I just, I just assumed that the role of caregivers was to take the arrows.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's not the role of caregivers. We will take arrows, but that's not, that's not our mission. That's not our purpose is just to take arrows and we have to understand that we're traumatized as well. Our spirits are traumatized. And see if this resonates with you. But, but for me, what happened was, it it, it took a long time because I'm a slow learner. I I recognized there was no other place to go but to Scripture, to yeah. understand what God was saying in this. I resisted this because I was so angry with God for allowing it. I never doubted that God could change it. I just was angry that He didn't, and He chose not to. And and people kept telling me all the time, Jesus understands, Jesus understands, Jesus understands. And, you know, the same platitudes we all get from, from church folk who want to okay. say something nice. right? Yeah. And, and I, I I didn't see it. I mean, I looked through all of scripture. I never saw anywhere where a husband was taking care of his wife through all these surgeries, both legs, you know, all this stuff. I never saw that. Right. And so I had to, but then through God's provision, I stepped back from it and got a bigger view of God, a higher view of God. And I saw that Jesus identified himself as the bridegroom. Mm. The church is the bride and we are a wounded bunch of people. Yes. The church is very wounded. And I realized that my savior is the ultimate caregiver of a wounded bride. Yeah, And I realized at that point, oh, wait a minute, I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to accept my own trauma deal with it but in the light of what his provisions are it sounds real ethereal and i don't mean it to be that way because it for me it was a very practical thing and i started realizing okay i'm going to settle myself down through this path now instead of me railing against god which i have done on many occasions and i've offered my consulting services to the almighty on numerous occasions <laughs> And uh, people say, well, God's never late. I said, yeah, but he misses a lot of opportunities to be early.
1: Certainly never early.
0: <laughs> and, so, and I stopped trying to fight against it and instead just said, okay, where where is he in this? What am I learning? Who am I becoming through this? And yeah. so talk a little bit about that because you had a lot of the same epiphany where you were just like, this is spiraling out of control and you were pushing yourself to inhuman levels. And then something switched in you. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think one of the preconceived ideas that we have in the Christian church, and not to rail against the Christian church, but it just, it's not true, is that God will step in and things will, transformation happens, and then we move on with the rest of our lives. And the reframing story is, no, we go through a a serious experience or a multitude of experiences that are very traumatic. The book, The Body Keeps Score, is incredible.
0: I'm reading that book now.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. And It's
0: heartbreaking.
1: Yes, it is. It is. But it
0: is amazing.
1: So we did a trauma intensive because Jonathan did go through um, a lot of sexual abuse and a lot of abuse in general. We all did. And so I'm traumatized. And as caregivers, there's secondary trauma or complex trauma. And it literally does change how our brains function.
0: We're talking with Colleen Swindall thompson This is from a long interview that I had with her that you can hear the whole thing out at my podcast at hopeforthecaregiver.com, wherever you download podcasts. We've got to take a quick break. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back.
1: In churches, in a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the
0: churches are addressing. In his image,
1: with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's
0: completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. Hey, this is Bart Millard from Mercy Me, and I have some awesome news. There is a way to break free from drug addiction, no matter how hopeless things might seem.
1: I was with my drug dealer, and I shot up. The next thing I knew, I was waking up in the back of an ambulance. I asked the paramedic what happened, and she said that they found me. I was blue and not breathing, and a bystander walking by saw me on my drug dealer's front porch
0: steps. My drug dealer I was with just left me out there. That's what brought me into... Teen Challenge and since being here I'm learning how important a relationship with God is in recovery. I've just discovered a new freedom that I never even knew was possible. Adult and Teen Challenge helps people find a life of freedom and they offer a variety of services. If you or a loved one is ready to end an addiction you can call toll free at 1-855-END-ADDICTION or visit them online at teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We're talking with Colleen Swindoll-Thompson, and I want to get back to this interview. Here's another excerpt from my conversation with Colleen Swindoll-Thompson.
1: I love science now. As John Townsend says, it It actually proves what Jesus has been saying all along. And trauma keeps us from being able to become fully present, and that keeps us from processing who Jesus is in our relationship. So back to the trauma piece, um, I wrestled a lot with trauma after the court failed. And I'm dealing with a son now who has a traumatic brain injury from being assaulted repeatedly, which is common among those with disabilities. And I had to settle with the fact that God, our father saw his son die. And I did not have to see what happened to Jonathan. I heard a lot from what he said, but the fact that he says, I'm acquainted with your grief. Sometimes we want it to be the same grief. It's not going to be the same grief all the time, but grief is deep and it's in all of us as caregivers in the trauma intensive that we went to. And it's based off of the book, the body keeps score. John went through a lot of work to draw out things that happen. And in hearing those stories, I realized there was so much medical trauma that he went through pre-verbally that his brain is now processing. Basically, his body just shut down. As I said, a year ago, he just could no longer contain what was in him. And isn't that like all of us?
0: It's absolutely like all of us. And I there's another book, Science. Suffering in the Heart of God. Yes. Amazing book. Yes. I, I ran out of highlighters <laughs> because... <laughs>
1: Diane Langberg is one amazing individual who is on target when she says, People who have been abused and trauma from an early age, we are marinated in it. And if you think about that
0: word, she opens that book up with her being in this slave castle in mm-hmm. Ghana. And I've been there because we work in Ghana and mm-hmm. I've taken teens over there. So I knew exactly what she was talking about. She describes this, and I want you to. Give me your thoughts on this. When they turn off the lights and everybody's downstairs in these dungeons, Mm -hmm. there's a beautiful castle on top of all these dungeons. And you can tour the castle and you see the little offices of of the commander. Then you see the chapel where they had worship. So it looks like a little Anglican chapel, which is pretty much what it was. But when they turn off the lights, it was pitch black downstairs, and they had all these men crammed into one room and one dungeon area, and all these women crammed in the others, waiting to go take be taken out on the boats, be taken to America and other places. But the slave masters made them all be very quiet so the people could have church upstairs. And what she says is the church is not separate from the dungeon, the church is supposed to go into the dungeon, and then the dungeon becomes the church. And I thought, okay. We could spend a lot of time just on that concept, because I think that you said something in your video that I watched across the board, the church doesn't prefer a mess, but behind closed doors, there's a mess. And we don't want a mess in our churches. It's uncomfortable. But when you have a disability, you've got no choice. Right. And I have
1: had to become comfortable with the mess. In fact, as we walk people through the process of reframing their lives, the first part is It's like a do-it-yourself. We see all the flip home things, and before they can have a beautiful home, they're hitting everything with sledgehammers and blowing out walls. That's a mess, but you don't ever see anybody that's sad about that because they know what's coming, and so the renovation process, which as we talk about in the work that I do, is the middle part where we have to become comfortable with the mess, and once we do, we learn how to walk on rubble. And we find little nuggets and little gems that, that suddenly surface that we would have missed had things not been blown out and ripped apart. I remember Peter, when my mom and dad remodeled their home and when they got down to the, to the studs, the guy goes, I'm shocked that this home is not burned up. The wiring is horrible. Well, had they not ripped it all out, we would have never known about the wiring. Well, that's how it is in our souls. That's pretty much why I was so honest in the documentary and why I am very honest, because this is who I am. This is the family that God is continuing to transform. And we're messy. You know, when I talked about my daughter being suicidal and cutting, that's when self-harming was just coming out. Well, Peter, when you were, when Gracie was shaving her legs off, you know, not a lot of people were showing prosthetics and it wasn't, So disabilities has come so far and I admire her for saying, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think in the church, we have to become comfortable with ourselves before we can become comfortable with the mess. I wasn't comfortable with messes before. And then when my son's pooping in the middle of this expensive park that we were visiting in Laguna Beach (laughs) and the other two kids, they're like, mom this is so embarrassing, you know, junior high. And I just said, well, you can walk over there, but we got, I got to take care of this. This is our life. Now I would like it to be nice sometimes and it is, but that's not how Jesus is. And that's why I love, as we talked, I love the disciples. I love who they were because they were real people that probably would never get hired in a church. I don't think the church would hire Jesus. He'd
0: be too on the edge. I'm pretty certain of it (laughs) that he wouldn't. (laughs) But you know, and I and here's a quote. Also, I want to I want to give you this one. the The family moves at the speed of its slowest member.
1: Hmm.
0: Does the church move at the speed of its slowest member?
1: Hmm.
0: No. And I go back to Luke 14 where it says go out to the highways and the byways and bring all these people in that are lame, that are, that have all these things going on. There's not the implication that they automatically just get restored and everything gets hunky dory as soon as they walk into the church. There's the, I think there's, I, I think I have, um, I have, I've rightly deduced this. There is the implication that we're going to minister to them And they will minister to us. We will corporately minister to each other and worship together. God in all of our brokenness.
1: Yes. It is a beautiful mess. Yes.
0: It's a beautiful mess that we're not responsible to clean up. And I think there's too many times that we have uh, put ourselves through unnecessary angst to wash God's hands. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it was, um, I think it was Philip Yancey's book. I think where I started seeing that in disappointment with God. Yeah, uh, great book. He and I went to the—I don't know him, but uh, we went to the same Bible college, uh, mm-hmm. just years apart. I, I understand he's,
1: him. He's—he's he's got an amazing story.
0: Because I've spent so much time with this issue, it's given me the opportunity to ponder Th- this right here over my keyboard. Yeah, it's from a. Post-it note that I have on my office door that I had when we lived in Nashville, uh, and I've had it for years, and I put it on the office door. There's only one hymn in the entire hymnal that uses the word ponder, and it's praise ye the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, praise ye the Lord. Then there's a line that says, ponder anew what the Almighty can do, And and Gracie had that done for me, and it's right over here on the keyboard framed. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do, and I don't think we take enough time to ponder. And when you live with a disability and when you live with it long enough, you're going to have opportunities to ponder these topics yeah, and realize that this is where we are. And I think that the struggle is in the resistance, not the acceptance. We don't want to accept this. We are resisting this. And that's where our tension comes in. Is that what you found?
1: Yes. Yes. I, I loved Jonathan so, all three of my children. So either I had to love them or pretend to have something all together when we didn't. And that was the turning point.
0: And let me interrupt you. It takes a lot of energy to pretend, doesn't it?
1: It's exhausting. I was not going to do any Facebook lives because I didn't know what they were like because I'm older and I wasn't raised with it. So (laughs) thought it can't get worse than this. The first one I did was in my neck collar after Magnet's retreat and no makeup on. And I thought, you know, this is who I am right now. And so, if you can't handle it, it'll only get better, hopefully, but it may not. And yet, we are all at different places. I love what you said that they give to us and we give to them. There's no difference in the value of the soul of a person that may or may not have arms, may or may not have legs, who can think theologically or can't read or write. There's no difference in the value of that person. And yet, through COVID, when we had time to ponder the anger and the numbers of abuse cases and this all out tension, I think came from people being forced to sit with themselves. And I don't like this very much. I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: I think the isolation that caregivers suffer from three eyes. I've said this for, since I started doing this, we lose our independence, we lose our identity and we become isolated.
1: Yes I agree and
0: and so that isolation that we as a global community experienced for the first time in the history of mankind yeah where we we were isolated in such a stark and abrupt way it mirrored a lot of what caregivers go through anyway yeah we, ha- we have to deal with this caregivers can feel isolated in a crowded room we can feel isolated on a crowded pew And as we all massed up and started doing this, people started feeling a little bit of what caregivers go through on a regular basis, that we are disconnected. We are detached from so much, and we are starved for the embrace of fellowship. Yes. Ultimately, if we spend enough time with that, we'll realize that the only place to truly get that is through Christ. And this is where God says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with us. We're in the Christmas season. Emmanuel, God with us. That is what our souls crave, to be in fellowship. And for for us to think that somehow that we can't fellowship with anybody that is not of like mind or abilities as us is absolutely antithetical to, to Scripture. I know Jesus said, come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden. He's responsible for sorting this out. Even the wheat and the tares grow up together. He's yeah. responsible for sorting it out. And we don't have to put these demands that somehow we've got to be uniform in our assembly. Yeah. Because I, I'm not expecting people to show up and be able to, to do what I can do. Or I hope they're not expecting me to show up and do what they can do.
1: Right. I have a question peter you said our souls ultimately crave the relationship with jesus and i think what does that look like practically
0: for you well for me it i go back to this thing ponder anew what the almighty can do and there's that for me it's me recognizing i have exhausted everything that i could even think of that would settle my heart down now i don't know that our we're talking with Colleen Swindell thompson we got to take a quick break. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you completely sold out to God? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. God knows if your heart is wholly devoted to Him or not. Now, wouldn't it be cool and exciting if you had a heart that's passionate, that's in love and on fire for Jesus Christ? Learn how to give him your all and gain everything that really matters. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. So often, so many parents seem to be really stressed out. On the next Focus on the Family, we'll present one of our top programs of the year featuring Ted Cunningham. He'll share a refreshing perspective on the things that stress you out and explain the benefits of joyful laughter. That's next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday School class or study group and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You are the Word. You are the light. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the show for you as a family caregiver talking with Colleen Swindoll-Thompson. This is from a long interview that I had with her. You can hear the whole thing on our podcast, hopeforthecaregiver.com. You can also find more about Colleen at her ministry, reframingministries.com, reframingministries.com. And I want to get back to another powerful moment in this interview.
1: I have a question, Peter. You said our souls ultimately crave the relationship with Jesus. And I think, what does that look like practically for you?
0: Well, for me, it I go back to this thing, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. And there's that for me, it's me recognizing I have exhausted everything that I could even think of that would settle my heart down. Now, I don't know that our souls crave Christ outside of his Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm certain of it because scripture says no one seeks after God in our natural fallen state. We don't. But because of his spirit that draws us, we do. And we realize that that, But we're all born with that general revelation that there is something more. There has to be. And and so we you know, the special revelation, of course, course, comes through Scripture. But the general revelation, the heavens declare the glory of God. All these things are general revelation. But but we are we are somehow on this. At least I was, and and still struggle against this on this mm. thing that I've somehow. I'm. Uh, it's up to me to somehow satisfy my soul. Mm. And and I fill my life with so many things that create more angst as opposed to being soul settling. And so when I go back and I sit still, be still and know that I'm God, scripture says, when I sit still and ponder, that's when I realize, oh, this is this is what he means. Mm -hmm. And I can chew on these things. And I have to do it very slow and in small bite sized portions because otherwise it's too much for me. And I I have to I, I go I try to I try to overkill it. And and so I just want to be still. And that's why I go back and I play a lot of the old hymns. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And so, okay, so let me just think think on that for a little bit. Seeing them over and over again. Wonderful words of life. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, not a searchlight, a lamp. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he just walks with us slowly through it. And I realize that, go back to what you said, it's exhausting to pretend. Yeah, it's exhausting to be resentful. Yeah, it's mind-numbingly exhausting. I've tried it, and I tell people, I said, "You can't, you can't play a piano with clenched fist. You can't push a wheelchair with a clenched fist."
1: Yeah,
0: it's exhausting. Yeah, and I and I, I was listening to a friend of mine, a Pastor, who said the other day we were talking to meeting, he Said, "Isn't it exciting to be able to step out on faith?" And I said, "No, it's exhausting oh, no. to me. <laughs> it's <laughs> exhausting. I'm just resigned <laughs> to it. Lord, just whatever. I'm so tired <laughs> that I'm just like." <laughs> whatever. Just whatever. Okay. So we're back in the emergency room. It's just whatever. And and I was writing an article for Lifeway that'll be out next year. And it was about quieting the noise. Yeah. Because there's so much noise around us. So you asked me, so what does that look like for me? There's so much noise. I have to quiet the noise. But I was writing that on a hospital tray that they serve dinners on in the emergency room while they were checking with Gracie. This was just in the last month. Oh my God! And so they're all working on her IVs, everything going on, and I'm writing an article on my laptop, quiet in the noise. <laughs> and I realize, and you'll see it, you'll see it in a, one of the Lifeway publications next next year. And I'm thinking, that's exactly. the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's yeah. not me. That's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Recognizing that even in the ER, when I write this piece, that my soul can be settled. Mm. Those sorrows like sea billows roll. Mm-hmm. And this is what it looks like for me. And this is what I tried to help my fellow caregivers see. And I think you, as I glean from you and uh, from your, your video and the, the story I've been hearing from you, this is the point you had to get to. But how much flopping around do we do before we get to that point?
1: Well, and honestly, Peter, I'm still flopping around because <laughs> just this last week. I'm not kidding. I said to my husband, because in my past, when it was quiet, that meant someone was angry. And so there was always something going on. And if it wasn't going on externally, it was rattling up in my head. And so I'm still just this last week when John was having, he will sometimes have these zone outs and we're not quite sure what the spiritual part of it is because a huge part of caregiving is
0: Help me understand, it was zone out, you said.
1: Yeah, he kind of zones out, but we know it's not a seizure because he's able to respond. And so, again, this has all come about this last year as we've been working through all the detoxing, but it was very quiet. And I thought, I'm not going to turn on anything. I'm not going to yell at Alexa for something that she (laughs) didn't notify me about. I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to play with the dogs. And so I threw the dogs, we played fetch back and forth. And Peter, I was just internally really wrestling, like, why am I not calm here? Because typically I can be. Um, When I had my neck surgery, I was on my back. My assistant goes, do you ever nap? Are you ever still? (laughs) And I told her, rarely. So I'm still flopping around in these areas of quiet the noise. And I told my husband, I'm really struggling with just letting this be peaceful. And John was completely at peace. And my husband said, I, he goes, quiet is peaceful to me. Cause again, we go back to trauma and he didn't experience what I experienced. So I'm having to continually give that over to the Lord, not let my identity be wrapped up in caregiving, but in Jesus.
0: You know, Gracie lives with chronic pain. I mean, intractable chronic pain. It's, it's pretty severe. And it's been this way since Reagan's first term. Oh my Um, and I don't, I quite truthfully, I don't know how she does it, but we were in Denver earlier this year when she had this big back surgery and she's meeting with the anesthesiologist pre-surgery and they were going over all of her meds and her pain levels and all that kind of stuff. And they looked at her and the anesthesiologist, she's got her tablet out. She's doing this stuff. And she said, well, what, what's your pain level now? And Gracie told her, said, what helps you with your pain? And Gracie quietly looked at her and said, singing yes. and it was just one of those moments where for me, time just stood still. I it's hard to process that moment because she was not being dramatic about it. She was being very matter-of-fact. This is how I deal with it. And I watched her in recovery. She was FaceTiming with Johnny Erickson Tata. And Gracie, she was singing, Give Thanks with a grateful heart. In recovery, Johnny's watching her, and the two of them have spent a lot of time in this area talking about because they they, they have a, a common journey of, of suffering and disability. And I thought about what chronic pain does to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it keeps you just like this all the time. You're just frenetic. The bombardment to your senses is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And you've got to learn to deal with this in a way that calms your spirit down because you know that you're not going to get out of pain. It's not going to stop. How is that different from the pain of our hearts and our trauma in our hearts and our souls? what you've been through. And and again I go back to respecting the trauma. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I look at Colleen, I look at what you have endured. And as I watched your video, I was like, that's a lot of trauma. It takes yeah. a long time to give adequate respect to that trauma. Mm-hmm. Just just a marriage falling apart is traumatic enough that it takes some people a lifetime to process. And that was only one of several things. And I mean, so it it's going to take time. And the other day I was going up to my, my father-in-law's house up on the hill. The, the, and one of the unusual things we have out here in the wintertime, particularly, I was walking up in the snow. It's only about 300 yards through the pasture to the field, but but the, the snow was about a foot and a half deep, And I didn't feel like slogging through that. So I walked <laughs> up the road is about a half a mile to go around that way. And there was no wind. There were no cars, no planes, no birds, nothing. I was outside. And it mm. was dead quiet. It's unnerving to be in that kind of quiet. I have found for a lot of people, it's spooky to them. It's, it's unsettling. And yet this is what, as people who understand trauma, mm-hmm. this is what we desperately need is that quiet. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Yes. How do you find quiet?
1: I find quiet in um, listening to hymns, especially instrumental hymns. And I find quiet by water. I told my husband, water is my love language. Anywhere there's water and nature. Nature is, of course, one of God's revelations of who he is to us. He keeps the oceans in check with all we dump into that. I can't keep my 10 gallon fish tank, the fish alive. (laughs) But (laughs) we've gone through so many fish. I'm like, guys, I'm giving up on fish. I'm sorry, but- (laughs) But he keeps the oceans. And now that we can see through the telescope, Tobin and I were just talking last night, how fast light travels and into these galaxies that we're now discovering. I think, oh my God, you're so big. How can I, how can I take in the fact that he loves me so deeply and knows me among the stars? And I love the verse in Genesis where he says, oh, and by the way, I throw out the stars. It's just as he's creating things and I tossed up the stars, the stars, galaxies of them. And so nature truly speaks to me. John and I went on a walk the other day, the first time he's gone out on a walk with me in a, in a year. And we just felt a couple of the leaves on the trees. I said, John, look at how different these are. One felt like feathers. Then we didn't touch the prickly ones. But yes, I have to slow down to his speed. Like you said, observe. I love anything outside except for the squirrel that's right now crawling up the tree because it's killing one of our trees.
0: <laughs> I just took a class on CS Lewis at Hillsdale college. They offer free classes online and I I'm always on my Bluetooth because I'm, I'm always doing housework or whatever, you know, and, yeah. and so I can't sit down and take a class, but I can listen to these lectures. I was doing that. And one yeah. of the things that Lewis wanted to do was to spark the imagination of people that, that, of discovery. Mm. And we don't have that. We're so busy. And this this is what he talks about is coming as a child, because to a child, every Mm. discovery is a monumental thing. Jonathan understands that in ways that maybe the rest of us may never, because for Jonathan, everything is exciting. There's enthusiasm about life and about discovery. Mm. That when we move at 90 miles an hour with our hair on fire, we're not discovering anything. So when, when Grace and I went to dinner the other night, we couldn't go back east for Thanksgiving to be with family because of this surgery. So we drove to this wonderful restaurant over in Big Sky area that we love. And if the crow flies, it's only about 60 miles, but you have to go around the mountain. It's two and a half hours one way. The roads are covered with snow and ice, but we saw bighorn sheep,
1: oh, elk, yeah.
0: moose, yeah. deer, beautiful rivers. We went through part of the park of Yellowstone and we're not in a hurry. And, and I think that's what's changed for me when I moved out here from Nashville. When we lived in Nashville, I mean, everything was it just breakneck speed. We've been talking with Colleen Swindall thompson ReframingMinistries.com. We've got to take a quick break. Don't go away. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing With Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs they go walking and leaping and praising god you can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com dr john oswalt from the american family studios documentary the god who speaks an anthology is a collection of writings on a common theme and that's what the bible is the bible is the book of yahweh it's the book of god god who is found in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this book, with its incredibly common understanding of who God is, why we're here, what life is about, what the world is, this book is the book that speaks to people in incredibly different situations, incredibly different cultures, incredibly different points of view, and yet speaks visit the speaks.org. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger here on American Family Radio. Glad that you're with us. We've been talking with Colleen Swindoll-Thompson, Ministries.com is her website, reframingministries.com. And in this last segment of the broadcast today, I want to take you back to another powerful moment in our conversation. We appreciate you being here with us today. You can find out more about Colleen again at reframingministries.com. Our experience is relevant not our opinion. So when you say everybody's got to have an opinion, well, I don't care about your opinion. What's been your experience experience is the teacher and under the tutelage of the Holy spirit becomes the transformer. Mm -hmm. When you go out and speak, when you talk to fellow caregivers, where does the conversation usually go? There's that moment that a switch gets flipped in your brain and you know that you are absolutely in lockstep in the zone of where this person is Mm -hmm. and what, The Holy spirit in you is pushing you into, to say, to, to connect with, can I describe that better? Or is that, does that work?
1: I think that's good. In fact, I Tobin, my husband has observed that more than I have. And my son has as well. He's like, mom, you have to give yourself some time because we had some very difficult things several years ago with one of our kids. And, um, and I just cried a lot and he said, mom, you have to come up for air as well. Because typically if someone comes to talk to me, it will be because they're in a struggle of some kind or they're stuck in some way. And so I want to ask them where they are right then and things they've tried. But more than that, like you said, feelings aren't everything, but they are an indicator of what's going on internally. They are like symptoms of a cold. It goes to the root of something. So if someone has had a ton of trauma they may say, well, this is bothering me or this is bugging me or this has happened. And I'm afraid or and I'll, think, I'll ask a question like, where do you think that fear comes from or what happened maybe in the past? Has something happened in the past that has caused you to doubt God or doubt his goodness or his faithfulness? And then, that, then we'll dive right in because I don't want to waste their time. I want to really care. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's it. He I don't want to waste their time or mine. There's no need to sit there and talk about the superfluous. No, um, there's no. a reason you and I are having this conversation. Let's get to it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and usually if, if they don't want to talk, they won't come to me or call me or write. So I really want to honor their time by listening. And then oftentimes I'll pray while they're talking. Lord, just direct my words. Like you said. I do interviews that I'm not scripted. I don't have scripts often when I do an interview because I can't do a scripted thing. What does this person need? Um, Help me to know what you want them to hear because I'm broken and I'll probably say something wrong. I want you to speak to them. And then it's all him.
0: And that's the way I feel about when I play. These people have made their way to church. Yeah. What is my responsibility here? What is my stewardship opportunity here? Do I just want to entertain them? Do I want them to applaud on how well I play the piano or do I want to give them something to hang on to in the midst of their distress? Yes. What is the noble calling? There is a point as a musician, at least for me, and I've seen this with a lot of others, particularly in church music where you stop playing for applause. You stop playing for applause. I, I know I know how to play the piano. I don't need that constant affirmation. What I would rather you understand do you understand what I'm playing here? Do you understand the text of what I'm saying here?
1: Right. Right.
0: And I don't need to play for applause. I have broken people listening. And I want to meet them in their brokenness the same way that I was met in mine. Yes. And if I don't do that, then what good am I? Right. What what am I what am I doing here? Right. If and and because this is what Christ did for me, he condescended into my life, and he met me in my brokenness. This is what he does. He's the greatest junk collector in the universe. He
1: is the biggest dump truck. I love it.
0: one eight hundred got junk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 yeah. that's and I realize I look at the broken mess of my life. I look at all the things that I did. And, and you were talking about things you look back when you said I didn't know it. I I look at for the vast majority of my life is just being cringeworthy but he redeems all of these things.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does, but he does.
0: So I've taken up a lot of your time here. And, uh, but Colleen, I want you to know how much this has meant. And I hope this has been a, a rewarding time for you as much as it has been for me, just to be able to be with you and listen to you. People want to find you go out to reframingministries.com reframingministries.com Colleen. Last thing, we're going into Christmas season. What's Christmas like at your place?
1: It's crazy. (laughs) Um, It is, you know, it is home. We have a a small tree. It's up on a suitcase because it's so small. (laughs) um, Every year is different. We lost my father-in-law a couple years ago. So we are going into our third Christmas without him. And I, wanted, I want Christmas around here to be more, I want it to be an experience rather than a bunch of gifts. This last year, my husband and I decided we want to give our kids gifts that are experience gifts, because once we're gone, should the Lord take us before them, please do. I want them to remember that mom and dad had fun and that they took joy in us. So that's what I hope Christmas will be like.
0: It will be. It I will hope. be if, if, if that's you your intent, Mon-
1: if you keep talking about Montana, we may come your
0: way. <laughs> well, come on out. We, our, our cabin's small, but Montana's big. Uh, this is where we started coming out for Christmas, just Gracie and I and the boys. Mm-hmm. and we nobody came out here in the wintertime, but we did. and we our little family would come out here for Christmas every year since 95 mm-hmm. except for maybe two. It's been a place of healing for us. And maybe that's why Gracie loves with, with with the snow and everything else that she does. It, and she really does take it personally if I disrupt the snow <laughs> because <laughs> she loves she loves the pristineness of it. And maybe that's what her spirit uh, recognizes most of this is a promise of God that he is going to, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, that he is going to make all of this new, mm-hmm. not all new things, make it all new. Mm-hmm. and and that's the the promise that that's the hope that we have and i love the music of christmas i love yeah. everything about it and out here it does she had christmas in florida she said it no it's not the same no <laughs> you, know? you
1: can get a suntan in florida at christmas but, time. it may remind her winter may last for a season but joy comes in the morning spring comes and new things arrive and that is that is what I so look forward to. I know the roots grow deeper in winter, but I also know I love spring. And that's the hope that we have with Jesus.
0: She she cut a song.
1: I need to find her music.
0: Uh she's 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 the real deal. My piano professor back in Nashville accompanied her when she was auditioning for Belmont. And that was back in the spring of 83. Her fall, her rec was in the fall of 83. And he played at our wedding. He's been a great friend. And he he ended up, and I knew him before I knew Gracie. And he knew Gracie before he knew me. Wow. But he, he called her up and he said, I think I got a song that I'd like for you to sing. You must believe in spring. And it was written by Michelle LeGrand and the Bergmans. What's it called? You must believe in spring by Alan Bergman and Marilyn Bergman. When lonely feelings chill the meadows of your mind, just think when winter comes, can spring be far behind Mm. beneath the deepest snow beneath the deepest snows. The secret of a rose is merely that it knows you must believe in spring. And it's just a, it's a beautiful song. It's one of the most beautiful songs you'll ever hear. And she does it with him. I
1: just pulled it up. I'm going to look, I'm going to listen to it.
0: Well, there's only like three or four people that have ever recorded this. Uh, Tony, Bennett, Barbara Streisand, and I think Gracie.
1: Wow. And, uh,
0: it's not a well-known song, uh, but it is such a, an extraordinary song. And um,
1: what a great thing to write on.
0: It, up here. it is just a beautiful description of for a season. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. Yeah. But we have the promise of, of what God is going to do. And it settles our hearts. And as a friend of mine told me, he just buried his wife after taking care of her with Alzheimer's. And he said, we live in the moment, but we have the perspective of eternity, which gives meaning to the moment. And I love that. So you and your family live in the moment, but you have the perspective of eternity, which gives meaning to the moments with all the things that you guys deal with. I want you to know, Colleen, that you have really touched my heart today. This has been an extraordinary conversation. Thank you for taking the time today to talk with me.
1: It's my honor. And Peter, thank you for speaking to all of us as caregivers and just reminding us of spring and the many things that you're doing, mostly the things that nobody else sees that you do. I really honor that and know in heaven, you and Gracie will be running together.
0: (laughs) Well, he says so they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Johnny, often tells me that she's looking forward to horseback riding with me in, in heaven. I
1: want to be, I'm coming too.
0: <laughs> the, um, I, every now and then I'll FaceTime with her and I'll say, look, if you want, I'll FaceTime while I'm on a horse and you can ride with me. And, uh, That's great. That, and, uh, so I, I think that those are the, all the promises that we had. This is why we don't despair.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I understand despair. You understand despair. Yeah. And when you said that, you know, you were, cleaning people's houses and doing yard work for them while trying to take care of three kids, including a special needs kid. That is a level of heartache and not desperation, but fortitude born out of this is what I got to do. That very few people could truly understand unless they've walked there. This is what I got to do. Yeah. Colleen, we'll do this some more. And uh, Colleen, thank you for taking the time. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Peter.
0: This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Thanks for joining this long form uh, edition of the program. And we're going to do more like this. And if you want to see more, go out to hopeforthecaregiver.com.